Well, it's great to be here with you this morning as we kick off our Christmas series, A Christmas to Remember. Uh, it's also the first Sunday of Advent. And if you're not uh, in a tradition of, of being a part of a church that uh, does Advent, Advent actually means to come. And it's a time where the church sets aside to, to really anticipate the celebration of the birth of Christ on Christmas Eve. And so uh, it's a time for us over the next four Sundays to build up that anticipation, to remember what Christ has done for us. And it's not just a time of anticipating that celebration of the birth of Christ. It's also about being reminded and anticipating the second coming of Christ. And not only did Christ come, but he's going to return again. And so it's an amazing time for us as a church family to set this time aside to look at really the, the gifts that we have in Christ, hope, love, joy, and peace. And so over the next four weeks, that's what we're going to be looking at as we celebrate Advent together. And I just want to encourage you, no matter where you find yourself this morning, this journey is for you. Uh, maybe you're here and you're just checking out the things of Christ. Maybe you haven't yet entered into that personal relationship with Jesus. Or, or maybe you've had that relationship for years. No matter where you're at, the Advent journey is for you. And so I invite you on this journey as we look at what Christ has for us leading up to uh, our celebration on Christmas Eve. And we're going to start with hope. Each and every one of us needs hope as we navigate the ups and downs of life which exist on this side of paradise. In fact, I wonder even this morning as we head into the official Christmas season, Thanksgiving's over, and so I was so excited uh, when it was so I could actually say Merry Christmas and not seem out of, out of character to do so, and so I've been waiting to do that. Um, but maybe as you're in this Christmas season, it's already become hectic for you. Maybe as you're sitting here, maybe there's, there's some burden, struggles. Maybe it's financial stresses, relational issues, maybe memories of loss. Maybe the whole commercialization, the expectation of the holiday is weighing heavy on you. I, I don't know. Uh, if you find yourself there, I want to encourage you that the light of Christ shines brightest in some of those darkest moments. I don't know where you are when it comes to Christmas. I came across this meme that talks about at least the two extreme categories of maybe where some of us are this morning, and it's up on the screen. Two types of people. Which one are you this morning? Which one are you? Maybe you're somewhere in between. But again, I want to let you know that in the midst of all things, there's, there's God, that he's with us, that he's our hope. And so I want to look at a, a passage in Scripture, Isaiah 7, 10 through 14. And oftentimes, when we look at this passage, we only look at verse 14. But I think it's so important we look at it in context. Matthew, Isaiah 7, 10 through 14. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol and as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. And I, know I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men and for you to weary my God also? And then here's the verse we often look at at Christmas time, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. 
And so we often look at verse 14, this promise of the coming Messiah and, and the fact that Emmanuel, meaning God with us. But why do I want to look at it in context? Because in context, not just these verses that precede it, but the passages that precede it, and also the passages that follow it, all speak of judgment. The Israel had, had walked away from God. They had totally turned their back on him for the most part. And so they were, there's, there's words of judgment there. And in the midst of this dark passages, if you will, is verse 14, that God is with us. And, and, and I was thinking about that because that's really what most of us understand in life. But life can be difficult at times, but unless we understand that God's hope can shine not only in the, bright, in, in, in the darkness, but is actually the brightest in the darkness, then we can sometimes allow our faith to sort of become fragile. And it should be a solid thing. I, I was thinking about that with a flashlight. And so I brought the smallest flashlight I had. And I brought it in. I thought, you know, right now it doesn't seem like a big deal. It's like this little light in this big room, you know, filled with light. Yet if the lights went out, and I'm not going to ask him to do that, but if the lights totally went out, this little modern marvel would be useful. Like my guess is right away phones would come out. And the lights on your phones would start to flash, you know, and we'd be able to find our way out the back doors. The other night I was coming home and, and I looked up and it was a beautiful sky, dark sky and the stars were so brilliant and the moon, did you catch the moon the other night? Just beautiful. And it only signs like that in the darkness. Think about that for a minute. See, I found that for many people, they seek solace this time of year by sort of distracting themselves from the darkness around them. And the truth is this, is that when we face the darkness, that we, we, we really, it's then that we need to look to the hope of Christ. In fact, to embrace the hope of Christ, I think we first must acknowledge the darkness. We've got to acknowledge the darkness around us. And, and, and as we take this Advent journey toward the Christmas season, through the Christmas season, let's be honest about the darkness we may find ourselves in. Maybe in the world around us, maybe in our very own hearts. So by the way, I'm not asking you to be a pessimist. I'm not asking you to be gloomy. I'm just asking you to be honest. To, to be honest about where you're at. To be honest about where the world's at. To be honest about where we're living. You know, I, I'm not one that, that speaks much about pessimism or optimism, really. You know, you have the whole, you know, you see a, a glass is at half empty or half full. And you may have heard me say this before. I, I look at that and I go, well, just drink the thing. You know, don't overcomplicate life. But when everything's said and done, we, we really don't help ourselves by not acknowledging, by not acknowledging the darkness. See, Isaiah speaks both of the coming light and the present darkness. And that dark darkness continued for centuries, for like several hundred years after Isaiah gave the, this prophecy. In fact, Isaiah 9.2 is another statement. It says, the people who walked in the darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. That's another like Christmas verse. Like we talk about that at Christmas and we celebrate the fact that Christ came. The issue is for the Israelites that that was given several hundred years before Christ came. Can you imagine? Like the people heard that. And, and when they heard it, they went, that's great news. Yeah, you're not going to see it. Well, my kids will. No, they're not going to see it. Well, that's okay. My grandkids will. I like them better anyway. They're not going to see it either. Like several hundred years. They waited. 
And I just wonder, in the midst of that, in the midst of all that, did, did some of them lose faith? Did some of them think that God had forgotten them? And perhaps this morning you can relate to their experience. Maybe the circumstance you're going through or circumstances you have gone through has, has made your faith waver a little bit, has, has made you wonder, has God forgotten me? Where's the hope? But we can find hope in that Jesus did enter our darkness that first Christmas. When we look to the Lord, his spirit really fans within us the smallest spark of hope. It, it, it gives us strength. It, it guides us to walk in the knowledge that the finished work of Christ has overcome the darkest thing, and that's sin and death. That we have life in Jesus. Truth be told, we understand that this, this walk with Christ, this journey, it's not an instant process. It, it, it's, it's a constantly being reminded that this place in which we live is not the place we've been designed to be a part of. How many of you have looked around and, and thought to yourself, where's the justice? Well, why do you ask that question? It's because deep down within us, we know we were created for something different. We were created for paradise, but paradise isn't here and now. Have you realized that? Hope I didn't just blow someone's, you know, day. We're not there yet. And so we're hoping, we're believing that Emmanuel, God is with us, even in the midst of the darkness. To be honest, you know, when I think about the Israelites waiting several hundred years, it, it, it sort of blows my mind because I don't enjoy waiting. I'm not a very patient person. I don't know about you, but, but I found myself not just recently, actually. I wasn't going to confess this, but I thought we were in church and I might as well make a confession. I was in a fast food restaurant line, you know, and I was waiting for the drive through and I had to wait like an extra five minutes. And I thought, what's wrong with the world? <laughs> Ever been there? I thought, why am I waiting so long? And I realized I got my food in 15 minutes. I got dinner in 15 minutes. I mean, that's pretty amazing. But it was five minutes longer than I was expecting. How difficult it must have been for the Israelites. How difficult it must have been for them to hear this promise and know it wasn't going to be fulfilled for, for years and years and years to come. But all of us understand this. I mean, when we look at the scriptures, we know from Genesis, right? Here's Adam and Eve. They're in the garden. They're in this perfect place. God says, you can, you can basically do anything you want. Just don't to this one tree. And you know what they do, Right? <laughs> The eat of the tree. And I love it. You know, it's, 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 it's the first spineless male ever. He, what, does, what does Adam say when God says, why'd you do that? He says, well, she made me do it. What in the world? <laughs> Not a good sign. And, and I don't want to be too hard on them because any of us in the same situation would have probably done the exact same thing. I'm so glad my name, that, that Adam's name wasn't Craig. That's my name, right? And I, it's Adam and, and he had to deal with it. And yet we all still are part of that reverberation of just their sin. And yet sin entered the world and we live in this fallen place. And yet from the very beginning, God, Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, he says, but I'm going to send you one who's going to redeem you. I mean, think about it. From the very beginning, Genesis, I have this plan. And we live still in the midst of it. We, the, the, the plan hasn't been completely fulfilled. Christ did come, but he's going to come again. And when he comes again, he's, everything's going to change. But there's that waiting that takes place. I was thinking about a, 
a farmer, and just this image of a farmer sort of standing in a, in a parched field. You know, he, he hasn't seen rain in maybe years, and, and the line, the, there's a drought, and, 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 and nothing is being produced, and he's lost hope. And then one day he looks out, and he sees some clouds coming. From the distance, he hears sort of the, the rumbling of thunder. And he wonders, could it be rain? Could rain be coming? And it's interesting that John the baptizer presents himself in a similar way. The people come to John and they say, are you the Messiah? Are you the promised one? Are you the one that was spoken of way back in Isaiah several hundred years ago? He says, no, I'm not him. But listen how he describes himself. It's John 1 23, first part of that verse. I'm going to read it from the message because I love the way the message uh, states this declaration of John. He says, I'm thunder in the desert. Make the road straight for God. Why did John use that wording? Because he understood that the people had been in a spiritual drought. They'd been waiting for so long. And he says, but I'm, I'm the thunder. The rain's coming. That you're, you're, you've been in a spiritual drought, but, but there's one who's going to come and he's going to give you everything you need. He's going he's to quench your thirst. Remember, Jesus said that if any of you are thirsty, come drink of my well, he says, and, and you'll never thirst again. That's the one who's coming, John says. The long-awaited one. And I think about that. Here we are in Advent. It's a time of waiting. It's a time of waiting and anticipation of the celebrate of Christ's birth when we, when we all gather here on Christmas Eve. It's a time of understanding our waiting until Christ returns. I don't know what it is, but the older I get, the more I go, Jesus, you can come back today if you want. <laughs> Maybe you've been there. Maybe you are. The waiting of Advent reminds us that we're, we're to, where we're to set our hope. But our hope isn't found in, in, in others, even though they may love us. It's, it's, it's not found in, in governments. It's, it's not found in these things. It's not found in, in anything but, but Jesus. Heaven allows for us to, to focus on that distant thunder, so to speak, the promise of fulfilled hope in Jesus Christ that, that begins when we say yes to him today and is totally fulfilled when he returns and we see him face to face and his work is complete in us. See, if we're going to embrace the hope of Christ, then we must first acknowledge the darkness. But the second thing is we really need to embrace the wait. Embrace the wait. As we wait in anticipation of the celebrate of Christ's birth, of his coming, when Christ returns, what profound hope we can have in that. I love the insight John gives us. John's given us revelation from God. It's one revelation. Given us revelation from God. He gets a picture into our future, those of us who are in Christ. I mean, think about it. You want to know what your future is? Read Revelation. And John gives us this beautiful picture, Revelation 7, 9. He says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands. Then we drop down to verses 16 and 17. They shall no longer hunger, neither thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorched heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to the spring of living water, and, will, and will, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. How many of you think that sounds pretty good? 
This is, this is where we're heading in Jesus. This is the hope we have in him. We currently live in the here and now, waiting for what is to come. What are we to do? Well, we're, we're to wait. We're to wait with hope. We're to wait believing. In fact, in a genuine sense, it's hope that fuels our faith. Our, our, our hope pushes us forward in the knowledge that uh, of all that God has for us. The Hebrews writer gives us this insight, Hebrews 11.1. 1, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things yet to come. Think about it. We have the opportunity this Advent season to allow it to serve to remind us, to, to build up our confidence in all that Jesus has for us. To believe that no matter what circumstances we go through, no matter, no matter how long we, we need to wait, that Jesus is going to return and that God will be true to his promises. I wonder, maybe you're sitting here this morning and you've been waiting for the fulfillment of a promise in your life. Maybe you're tempted even to give up. I want to encourage you, wait, wait. Waiting is often seen as a passive thing, but it's really quite active. Waiting is being present in the moment. It's being aware of God's presence. We don't stop living. We don't stop journeying. It's not easy. It takes strength. It takes courage. In fact, the psalmist writes in Psalm 31, 24, it says, be strong and let your heart take courage for all of you who wait upon the Lord. It takes his way. It takes his strength, his courage. Maybe this morning, you just reach out to God. You're honest with him and say, Lord, I need you. I don't have the strength. I don't feel all that courageous. But I know that in Christ, I'm a warrior. I know in Christ, I'm a warrior. I saw this statement the other day, and I don't know why it's just been something that I just have thought about over and over again after reading it. It said, the devil whispered in a man's ear, you're not strong enough for the storm. And the warrior looked back at the devil and said, I am the storm. <laughs> Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Do we believe that? Yes. Scripture says that if you're in Christ, you're more than a conqueror. Do you believe that? Our self-talk um, that sounds like I'm being a motivational speaker. Our faith talk, let's say it that way, can change the way we journey every day. It can build our hope. It can fill us with the strength and courage to face all circumstances. So we acknowledge the darkness. And again, I'm not saying be gloomy. We, we just sit back and acknowledge that there's, there's darkness around us and Yet there's hope in Jesus Christ. We embrace the weight. None of us like to wait, but we embrace it. We journey with Christ in the midst of, of where we are and where we're heading. And after reading what, what, what John wrote, this revelation, where we're heading is not a bad place if you're in Christ. Amen? So we wait actively. We journey with him. There's one last thing we need to do oh, to embrace the hope of Christ. We need to commit to the journey. Really commit to the journey. The gospel truth is that wherever you are on your journey with Christ, you're only responsible for one thing. And that's keeping on with Jesus. That's it. We, he calls us to show up so he can empower us and lead us. We're called to walk with him knowing that his timing is perfect. 
As we enter this Advent season, it's, it's much more than something to check off a to-do list. It's to be truly honest with God in our journey. And wherever you find yourself this morning, to be totally honest with him. Maybe you're sitting here and again, your, your faith has been rattled a little bit. Your hope has been but maybe diminished a little bit. And I want to encourage you that the scripture tells us that God is unshakable. And so when we're shaken, what better place to do or to go to than God who's unshakable, right? And be honest with him. Not put on the church face is what I like to call it. The church face, you know, when someone says, how are you doing? You say, I'm doing great. And inside you're going, this has been the worst week of my life. <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm not saying we need to be that person people run away from because everything's always bad, you know? If you don't know that, then you, okay. Uh, I'm not saying that, but if we're not honest with one another, how do we pray for each other? How do we encourage each other? How are we there for each other? But let me, let me take it even deeper. If we're not honest with God, if we're not honest with him, how do we receive the strength and the courage and the power? How do we live like a conqueror? More than a conqueror. How do we live like the warrior that God has called us to be and has equipped us to be? Even in the midst of darkness. But when we come to him with honesty, when we come to him in this Advent with, ho- with this hope to remember and, and acknowledge the darkness, understanding that we do live in a fallen world. This world is not perfect. It is not paradise. You don't need me to tell you that. We, when we come to him honest about who we are and what we're dealing with and what we're wrestling with and our failures and our hopes and dreams, his hope fills us. When we embrace the weight, we understand what we currently are living in the here and now, but we're, we're waiting on the promises of God to be fulfilled. We're waiting on the Lord's return when, when he'll complete the work within us that, that our life in Christ starts the moment we say yes to Jesus, but it continues and it's not completed until, until he returns and we see him face to face and, and then we spend eternity with him. But we embrace that weight. We commit to the journey. This life we live isn't always easy. In fact, oftentimes it's not. But let me tell you something. We don't need to make it harder than it needs to be. And I don't know about you, but I'm really good at making life harder than it needs to be. All we need to do is stick with Jesus. That's the part he asks us to do. He does all the heavy lifting when we stick with him. He leads us. He guides us. He's our Savior and our Lord. And as we enter into this Advent, we really understand that when we boil all of life down, all we're called to do is know him and make him known. That God desires to fill our hearts with hope for the ultimate healing and eternal life in his son, Jesus Christ. As this life begins when we receive Jesus, extends into the unforeseen future. And that's the hope to remember. The hope to remember, it's the hope that fuels us, not just in Advent, but throughout the year, throughout our lives. And so I ask you this morning, where are you with Jesus? I ask you to be honest with yourself. Where are you with him? Have you received him as Lord and Savior? And if not, why not this morning? Whether you're here on this campus watching online, in the quietness of your heart, why not enter into that relationship with him that you've been created 
to have. And maybe you've been a believer, as I like to say, you know, days, months, years, you've been following Jesus. I ask you to be honest with yourself. Be honest with the Lord this morning. Where's your faith? Where's your hope? Are you feeling quite shaken? Go to the one who's unshakable. Let him give you strength. Let him give you courage. As hokey as this may sound, if you're going through a difficult situation and the enemy may be whispering in your ear, you're not strong enough for the storm. Remind him in Christ you are the storm. You say, how can you say that? Because Jesus said to his, us, his followers, and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. That's the hope we have in Jesus. That's the hope we have in him. As we head into Advent together, let's remember that hope. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for entering into the darkness for each and every one of us. Father God, for sending your one and only son to die for our sins, to be resurrected for our salvation, for the life that we have in him. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone who's yet to make that decision, even now in the quietness of their heart, they would say yes to Jesus. Lord, lead us this Advent season to live with a hope to remember, a hope that speaks of of your life-changing presence and promises. Fill us with expectant hope as we await the celebration of the birth of Christ as we gather here on Christmas Eve services. But Lord, would you fill us with an expectant hope of the complete fulfillment when Christ returns. God, we understand for life to work the way that you created it to work. We need you. But it's not on our own strength we stand, it's on yours. It's not by some courage that we manufacture, it's the courage you give us. It allows us, Lord, to to live in hope, to be a a reflection of that hope. And Lord, I pray you would do just that, that, that as you've allowed us to gather here this morning and put your glory on display, to celebrate the hope that we have in you. That Lord, as we leave this place, as we scatter throughout this region, that we would share that hope with others. That they too would be able to have this amazing relationship that they've been created for as well. That each and every one of us in this place and throughout our region, Lord God, would be numbered upon those who, who John spoke of, that revelation that you gave him of the many different peoples and languages and Lord, may those of us in this region be represented well on that day. And wherever we find ourselves, I pray, Lord God, that we would do our part, which is to stick with Jesus. So meet us where we're at. Take us where you you have provided for us, Lord God. And we give you the praise that although we, we need to acknowledge the darkness and Embrace the weight that as we commit to the journey, 
that your hope fills us and flows through us to the world around us. Thank you for loving us so extravagantly in Jesus' name. Amen.